Hi everyone and a huge welcome back to the Dedicate podcast. I'm your host Kate Ivey. There's been a big break. I took a term off which was much needed and then my producer unfortunately had a stroke but he is fine now thank goodness. So to refresh on the Dedicate podcast we delve into people's life stories including their challenges and achievements. It's inspiring hearing what people have overcome and I'm a firm believer that it's through adversity that greatness occurs. It's when we learn the most. It's also so nice to hear other stories and know we are not alone. Everyone has a story and they are all unique. Today I am chatting to accredited mindset coach Sarah Dickey. Sarah and I used to play netball together in Dunedin and she reached out last year. Fast forward to now and she is a dedicated mindset coach running her own business and she's helping me with my own mindset and mental wellness. It has been game changing. Today Sarah shares her story including her struggles with bulimia, her miscarriages and then all about mindset coaching, how she got into it, what it is and how it can help you. I hope you enjoy. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, I'm excited slash nervous. <laughs> Relate, I'm a bit the same. Yeah, well that's what I was why thinking. Why are you nervous? Oh no, just um, first one since December last year, first podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. um, I guess I potentially overthink it, but really actively listening but being able to ask good questions and all that kind of thing. But it's silly. I'm making it about me when today is about your story. I'm used to our chats being about me when I, when yeah, I see yeah. it. <laughs> I just get that, though, that whole active listening part of it eh? and remaining really in it can be quite hard. Yeah. But anyway, we're here to talk about you. Thank you so much for your time today. We've got a lot to cover, which is awesome. And I guess is reflective of where you are today. But let's go right back to the start. You grew up in Kurau? I did, yes. Um, so I well, I, I was actually born in Geraldine. All the big names. Uh, Sorry? All the big names, all the big towns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I spent my first five months there. And then, yeah, we, mum and dad, bought Ballamore Station, which is uh, just opposite Lake Waitaki. So moved there when I was five months. And, yeah, that's where I spent my early years. Um Really stock standard, very happy childhood. Like I remember just a lot of, you know, playing in the scrub up behind the house with my, I've got two two brothers, one older, one younger, um, and down at the creek and out on the farm with dad and mum, mum played a lot of sports. So, and dad, dad did as well. He was very much into his Maori sport back then. So yeah. sort of that was a lot of our time as well was sport and, you know, getting on the bus to go into Omaru for our netball and rugby and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, then boarding really, school? Yeah. So I yeah, went off to St Hilda's when I was in third form, which was, I think, looking back, probably, yeah, probably quite pivotal. I mean, it was a, it was a good move. I think there weren't too many options, as you know, being where you are as well, Kate, like in Kura at the time especially given how sporty I was. Yeah, and, I would have been, been too hard to travel in and out to Omaru with all the sports trainings and everything. Yeah. So I think definitely the right move by mum and dad to send us off to school. But um, for me, yeah, for me, I was a real, um, quite a home bod, well, you know, like a homesick kid. Yeah. So yeah, the first couple of years of boarding school were, like I'm talking, <laughs> I vomited on the way down to be dropped off the first day. Oh, That's really? I see. I, it's funny as I would never have picked that from you, knowing you now and then knowing you. We didn't know each other super well in Dunedin, yeah. but enough. Like I never would have picked. Thought you would yeah. have been confident, you know. 
Yeah, that's and well, I think that's the funny thing. I've always been outwardly confident, and I think yeah. inwardly confident too. Like I've always had a a confidence, but equally, there's there's definitely been over the years this sort of yeah, like the the homesickness, this kind of deep what uh, what is it? It's like a like the the homesickness was this connection to. Like a, I've always had a really strong bond to, to home, whatever home mm-hmm. looks like for me and for my parents at that time. And yeah. so leaving was... So it's really like, nothing to do with confidence or anything like that. It's just actually yeah, that you love home. I, yeah, I think it was a wee bit deeper than that. And it was almost conflicting with the things that I was doing. But And I'm still a little bit like that. Like I love, I love people. I love being out and about and doing stuff. But I've really realised over the years that I'm someone who really values solitude and space and quietness and an ability to connect with what's really deep within me and I think for a long long time um that was overlooked you know like I I just had that awareness that that was a really important um facet for me that I needed to kind of uh look after yeah I wonder if that could be the case for a lot of people like I'm hearing you say that I'm like you know with the work we're doing it's starting to resonate with me that been so busy all our lives with sports and being quite out there sort of people and social people and realize and not knowing that actually you do need that quiet time but not realizing it yeah totally and I think for a lot of people and this was certainly the case for me it was almost a bit of a buffer as well for some of the deeper stuff that I wasn't I mean we'll we'll get into this you know with my eating disorder and stuff but it's there was keep, some keep busy so you don't have to deal with it basically yeah, yeah absolutely yeah just keep keep in uh keep active keep doing the things that are giving you this kind of external validation as well that mm-hmm. you're actually on path and on track and doing all the things that you should be doing and everything's fine everything's all good yeah. with you but the thing is yeah. we're taught to you know we grow up in schools and you know and at school and now fair play and all that kind of stuff is rewarded which I can definitely, being a competitive person, I can also definitely see the how it's, it is great to reward participation and not always just those that win. But if you've, you know, when we were growing up, it was all just rewarded for success. So you, we all think we're on the right track if we're doing well. Like that's what, yeah. if you're succeeding in sport or succeeding at school and working really hard and um, not thinking about how that sits with you personally but that's what we're kind of conditioned to to be like isn't it and I think for a lot of people you know what does success actually look like to you you know are we just defining our success based on societal norms or Mm. are we actually going well for for me Sarah Dickey what is what what do I feel like where is it that I want to head to and where do I feel really good when I've reached there and you know that's almost that that internal alignment which yeah I think it's really hard though when you're young and like for me as an example I was I was good at things you know mm. I was good at sport and and they bring you happiness it's fun it's yeah it's yeah. fun and yeah. I, like I love it's not like I was pressured into doing anything I absolutely yeah. love that part of my life and then I was constantly getting this sort of external validation that oh you did awesome in that and you know so then it's mm. kind of like well if I keep doing this mm. then that's that's what I should be doing you know yeah, yeah. Um, so it's real fine line that I'm really conscious of it with my kids now because it's um trying to pick apart the ingrained yeah stuff in us that 
as you say, like we've kind of just learned and yeah, picked up on. And then the stuff that we're kind of learning now, I think more and more about, well, actually, you know, how does that all look and what are some mm. other ways that we approach success? Yeah, I make a real conscious effort, for example, if the kids don't get an award in assembly, um, which is kind of turns anyway, you yeah, know, totally. saying I'm so proud of you because that's mm. what you'd say when they get the certificate. So when they don't, just saying it as well so that they know that it's not just not just proud when you get something. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So you had those first two years, third and fourth form, we call them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were a bit tough. And yeah, they were tough. They were tough for a number of reasons for me. I, they were probably, it's really interesting. I don't know that I'll ever fully, and I don't, I don't blame anything on why I ended up with bulimia, but it's just and unpacking I, it, isn't it, to see what sort of course. Yeah. But those first couple of years were probably quite pivotal in me, I guess, going from a really confident kid who was really sure of myself. Like, I kind of knew where I stood when I was in Kaurau, and it was all very simple and easy. And, mm-hmm. and then I went to boarding school, and I was, <clears throat> excuse me, and, like, I sort of had a group of friends in third form, and I came back at the end of third form, and you know, typical, it's typical girls, which breaks my heart now, but, you know, looking back, I was sort of ghosted, I was, they decided that I wasn't, you know, and I, I don't even need to unpack that, but that happened to me as well, but anyway, keep going. Just (laughs) horrific, and I think for me also, I was doing really well, like I was, you know, in the senior A netball team in third form, and I was winning the cross country, and I was doing these things that classic tall poppy in New Zealand, mm-hmm. my 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 good friends never actively would say, well done, or that's really cool. And yeah. so I can vividly remember, I can remember sitting on the grass having my lunch one day, and I was a really like, I'm 175 now, centimetres, and I was that tall in third form. So I yeah. was in my head, like I've always been slim, right? But in my head, I was- You felt massive, yeah. Massive, and I remember vividly thinking- just make if you can make yourself smaller and I don't even mean just physically I remember thinking like just don't stand out as much just dim your love you know dim your light a little bit Gosh, yeah and then you will fit in and people will like you and I think that that was a defining moment to you know bring on a bit of a cascade of shittiness for me yeah yeah, yeah it's only in kind of more recent years that I've probably been able to have the awareness to kind of work that out and as I say like I don't I don't blame anyone for anything it's just life and Mm -hmm. and how I kind of um made something of that but yeah um, but it is such a pivotal time for us as humans that it is start of high school it is it's really tough so yeah start start of high school was a bit tough but then went on and loved loved the rest of boarding school it was really cool yeah um yeah yeah and then um uni Dunedin yeah so um we yeah stayed in Dunedin uh got into phys ed and started a phys ed degree um so that was a really it's really funny I was talking to a friend about this the other day who I was at uni with I look back at uni and that was like it was such a good time I yeah. loved it I probably well as you probably know as you did as well like we partied hard didn't we yeah. like we Oh, it did, we, and it affected sports so much. Like it affected oh, everything. So much. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I think so. 
I was studying full time. I was working at the Eco Centre. Yeah. I just got into the Tago Rebels netball squad. So yeah. netball was a part of my life. And I was going out like four nights a week. Yeah. And I, was, and I was bulimic, you know, add that to the mix. And it's like far out, you know, like what a recipe for oh some. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, yeah. stuff that you kind of put again, buffering, pushing really, really, mm. really deep. Um, so I look back on that time and I think, man, that was such a, that was such a fun time. We had such an awesome, um, I've got awesome memories, but it was also, and as I say, this is what I was talking to a friend about. We were both going through some personal stuff that we had no idea that the other person was. Well, None yeah. of us really talked about no. anything deeper than what we're going to wear that night. No. Um, I mean, I don't even remember talking to, I, I had, you know, my fir- first love of my life was in Dunedin. I don't even remember a decent conversation we had. Yeah. You know, it was just partying just, and, yeah. Partying and it's funny now because friends, you know, that have met me in later years, I think some of them, especially for the last, you know, last eight years, I've been having kids and I haven't been drinking as much um, at all. And I don't think they can quite believe that I was a partier. Like, they're like, but you're so oh, healthy. Yes, and, yes. You know, like, whatever, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like a different identity. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was a really. I don't know. I've got this weird juxtaposition when I look at um, uni because, as I say, for on the one hand, it was like the most fun time of my life and really I met some you know made some brilliant friends and cool memories but I think at a deep level I was pretty unhappy yeah and so when did when did the bulimia start and when do you think is the when you say you're really unhappy um is that was that so you said the last few years of high school were great did something change when we went to uni or no no I think by that stage it was just it's hard to explain. Yeah, because it probably doesn't just you don't go, oh, it started this time. Is it quite a gradual? No. Yeah, gradual I couldn't thing? I actually couldn't tell you, Kate, the first, like I don't have a clear memory of the first time I went to the bathroom and mm-hmm. like I was, I was a real binger. Mm-hmm. I was a, um, I, I aged, like it wasn't like I would vomit after every meal. I would eat kind of normally. I was, mm-hmm. I was very sneaky. Like yeah. I, I was very good at it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which is a pretty shitty thing to say about it, but I was like, <laughs> I I would eat normally and then I would go and, you know, might buy, well, not so much at school. I would eat stuff that I, you know, thought was bad and then I would vomit that up. But at uni when I had money, I would go and actually buy food that was kind of, you know, off limits. and then, On purpose um, kind of. Yeah. It's like self-sabotage. Yeah, it's, it's hard one to explain if you haven't been through it, but it's honestly, well, this was my experience. It literally felt like, an addiction mm-hmm. so it would be the cycle of it would happen and then I, it would deep shame and mm-hmm. I'm never and literally believe this I'm never doing that again like that is the last time and then it was almost like a chemical imbalance in your brain that is like I need that hit mm-hmm. and I think that the way that I look at it now and you know the work that I've done on it um personally I think it was whatever these these deep self-beliefs, these really um limiting self-beliefs that I had about myself, the the I guess the the thing that made that feel better, it was like that dopamine hit, that little that little thing that made it feel better for a little bit. Yeah. Was that those foods that, you know, I shouldn't be eating and it, you know, it was kind of this yeah. like rush that would come over me and I couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. And then 
you you'd very quickly go through that loop again of the shame and yeah it was this real cycle and so I think by the time I got to uni I was on the one hand I was actually really happy and really but these deep deep self-beliefs were still there Mm -hmm. I hadn't I hadn't done anything about them I hadn't I I didn't even know what they were I hadn't even investigated them Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that whole awareness piece I think often we don't even know where these things are coming from yeah, I really feel um, personally as I've got older, you become a lot more aware of your actions and what you do, but you're kind of running on autopilot when you're growing up and at uni. You're just you're yeah. not really thinking what you're doing. You're just, just doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's quite reactive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so um, <clears throat> when you bought this food, yeah. would you know that you were going to vomit it up or would it be a case of, oh, just have a little bit of this and then before you knew it, you'd eaten a whole lot and then – the only solution no, was to no, 100% knew that it was coming straight back yeah, out yeah. yeah and are we talking straight away are we talking a bit straight of time away. yeah straight away and you know it's pretty confronting stuff like when you you look at and I think this is what this is why I mean I've only been talking about this for the past few years mm. so I've done a huge amount of healing over the years and I haven't I think you know healed from a physical Point of view and my relationship with food and my body and stuff but I probably I hadn't yeah I, had, I still hadn't got I ha- wasn't healed with the, there's such a shame connected to it all and I think that stayed with me for a long time I think that shame is very inner it's your own you feeling that on yourself because I, we don't think that about you I don't think oh my goodness yeah, I can't believe I this, is, this is the thing that I am tr- you know I guess so passionately trying to do through my work now is when you talk, when you share, when you become more authentic, when you tell your story and let yourself actually accept these parts of you. It's not about like getting rid of parts. It's not about, it's actually just about acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that's been so so true and so real is the more that I've talked and the more that I've accepted that this happened to me and this was a part of me all that shame has absolutely dissipated Mm -hmm. like talking to you there's no shame I feel really proud yeah I feel really proud that I have been through this experience I'd go to go as far to say I'm I'm happy that I did yeah well all the best things come from hard times don't they they really yeah. do like I feel like it's put me in a position I know I'm such a so much more compassionate I know I can understand when clients talk to me about not necessarily eating disorders but things that they are struggling with mm-hmm. and I also I think the biggest thing is I 100% believe that there's potential and possibility for all of us we don't need to be sitting in this shitty place that we're sitting in sometimes yeah there's the ability to move through that and I think that belief is what I try and instill in others and that's Mm -hmm. if I do anything in the world that's what I would love to to help people see is that there's so much everything's within us it's all there it's just clearing away the bloody clutter and letting that kind of shine through it's so powerful isn't it because really the world is just our minds because there's a whole lot of things happening out there that we're not experiencing so it's like they don't exist yeah. So yeah. it's the same. Yeah. Um, now I like the nitty gritty. So I'm going to take you yeah. back still in, into the details. So just getting an image of how it was for you during that time. Yeah. Were you, did you look 
like you had bulimia or was it I no so what's really well I don't know what's interesting is my weight never changed for me it actually wasn't about um weight so much as I think control Mm. and uh, Mm. as I say it was that that loop of I wanted to feel better in that moment and that was like that gave me the hit of feeling that that's the only way I can describe it it was like this this hit my I didn't physically change although I would say I mean we all looked we we probably none of us looked our best selves back then (laughs) no no. I think definitely when you are yeah that nourishment's not there right like yeah yeah um, and I saw on your um, page about how you're eating just plain pasta every day for lunch stuff like that that's the other thing I'll say like this didn't start with straight out bulimia I would say there was disordered eating in and around that as well like the way that I viewed yeah viewed food and um much like like it's so sad isn't it I would like most most of my girlfriends have had you know if not an eating disorder some sort of disordered eating Mm. and I just think I'd say everybody yeah it's just it's just it's such a hard thing to get right um, and then you throw in all the diet culture, all the pressures of society in there yeah. as well. And then yeah. all the drinking and who feels like eating good, healthy foods when you've been drinking four nights a week at uni, you know, university halls, the food that we got fed even there. Yeah. Like they call yeah. it the fresher five or whatever. Well, of course. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think back to boarding school and the car would drive up to the entrance land that held us. This was for lunch. And it would one day it would be a pie, and the other day it would be like a big pinwheel scone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, know. It's we had lasagna toppers, all sorts of things for morning tea at high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uni, we had dinner at five pm, and so by yeah. nine or ten, you're hungry again. We used to go Monday nights. You used to eat a whole large pizza at nine pm on a Monday because they had some yeah. five dollar pizzas or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just. Um, and I think that's probably what, um, I mean, it's sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but it's probably what saved me in a way was through probably always my, I always had an interest in, in food and mm-hmm. health and all that sort of stuff. And then I just started to get way more interested in, I guess that, I love that word nourishment because it kind of sums up what it was for me. I, it started to become more important to even now, like, I do, you know sometimes people because I do eat really healthily but I've got really great moderation like mm-hmm. I can have a you know a cake or an ice cream or a, some wines and a plate like whatever just you know but it's kind of balanced with really good food but it's because I love it like it's mm. delicious good healthy food and I think that just started to really seep in and and I, and I think it's a sometimes it's a nice way of looking at it when you are trying to make changes as well as the more good you put in there's kind of less room for the yeah the bad opposed to trying to eliminate all the bad stuff it's kind of like the more that I started nourishing myself yeah I was like well actually it became yeah harder to do that act of purging because I could adjust because you were full and you were feeling good anyway you had those aligning with you know these other things that were becoming really important to me and yeah yeah so when did it um so it was as it was a gradual sort of start was probably a gradual it was I kind of say it's a 10 year span, but when I say that it was, that's like over uni, it was probably the worst. Mm-hmm. And then 
if I vomited once in a year, I'm counting that as a year because I'm like, well, I still wasn't over it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, probably the turning point. For, so kind of jumping ahead, we, you know, finished uni, went up to Wellington and started working. It was my first job out of uni and I was the uh, sort of the health and activities coordinator at Massey University in Wellington. Oh, cool. That's where I met my current husband, Scotty. So he... He was a bit older than us. He was four years older than us at uni, but he did a PhD. And so I remember him, he came to our, our graduation party. Yeah. And it's a bit cute because I still remember him. I was standing out on the balcony of our flat and I'd never met him. And he got invited by, um, but awkward actually, my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> but um, I remember him walking up the driveway and I can still, rem- I can still see it. I still remember what he was wearing wow. and thinking. This guy is going to be, I don't know, it's just he's cool. Connection. Like, he's awesome. He's cool, yeah. yeah, I was like, well, okay. And anyway, we moved, both moved to Wellington and we needed a flatmate. So he came and flatted with us. And yeah, so had that job. And then. So you met living together, like you met that time, but you were living together, but as flatmates for a while. Yeah, yeah. Flatmates, How long did uh, it take to progress <laughs> to the next thing? About eight months. Oh, wow. Um, so you were like good yeah. mates for a while. Well, yeah. So we, again, we yeah, like I had a had this other boyfriend. Oh, I and, see. You still had um, him on the go. Yeah, and so we we broke up in sort of the I think it was about the April. And I actually remember him um, saying to me when he when he left my room that day, and it was because he was a lovely guy. It just you know wasn't right. And he said, "Oh, just watch out for that Doctor Dicky. He's got his eye on you." And I was like, "Whatever." <laughs> but anyway, so we yeah we got together, and then but Scotty and I were together for four years, and then we broke up. Um, we actually broke up for two years. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and I remember that. Uh, that's where I was going to with this. Is that's when I realised I needed to seek some proper help because I'd been, um, I guess, recovered in a sense of I wasn't vomiting and I hadn't been for a number of years, but I could feel those feelings mm-hmm. coming back. I could uh, feel because of the breakup. Yeah, was it I a breakup like, or are we going in separate directions? Let's just take a time apart. Uh, it was a breakup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but we still, I mean, yeah, we kept in touch for, uh, and then obviously got back together after two yeah. years, which, yeah, wow. I did, I did, yeah. Yeah. But um, I just felt these, yeah, I was like, oh, this is familiar, mm. familiar territory. I'm not doing anything, but I can feel it. And that's when I, that's when I first started getting some coaching and I went and saw a psychologist and, started the proper healing healing journey yeah yeah Yeah. was that around the time was it because of that that you got into what you do now or did you uh I don't no I don't think it necessarily was but then in reflection possibly you know like it kind of was as well it was the start of it yeah yeah, like I I went um from Wellington went over to we moved to Perth and I, I got I, so we I really just lucky. you or what do you mean? Uh, no, it's not tonight. It's okay, and you broke up in Perth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that would have been I tough. Yeah, couple of opportunities up there. I started. We're in the mines. Actually, uh, we were in so a, a cloud break, which is in the Pilbara. Um, so that was a fly in, fly out from Perth. So I was on a pretty yeah. sweet roster. I was like eight days on, six days off, and cool. Me and another exercise physiologist, we were setting up a health and wellness program up there. So, um, yeah, that was a really cool opportunity. But I think that's probably where it all started for me with the coaching stuff is I was, 
you know, running exercise um, programs and I was going out onto, you know, doing some bloody embarrassing stuff like morning stretches and, you know, health talks. And, but it was just always the healthy fit guys that would come. I mean, we had a few women on site, there's about a thousand on site, but only probably 5% women mm. of that. And I just started going, there's, what's the, you know, there's the prescription is incredibly important. And as you know, like you need that and people need that. But I just started going, why are people not wanting to change? Why are people not changing and not mm-hmm. able to change? So basically like, you were helping the people that didn't need help, basically. Yeah. Were, yeah. It and it didn't like that. get that same feeling. Yeah. And I just started getting, yeah, a little bit kind of disgruntled with it. And so I came back to Perth and I started working in corporate house. So I had a little Kia Rio with my exercise gear in the in the boat and I'd go around to different, you know, I had different department, like um, government departments and I had like architects and different clients and I'd go around and again, I was running exercise classes and I was taking blood pressures and glucose readings and doing health talks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And same deal. I was just like, oh my God, we're just getting the healthy people healthier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the people that actually need it are still stuck in the space of just, duckness like they can't seem to move and if they do make changes it's not long-lived and mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's when I started to think okay there's there's got to be more and that's when so Scott and I broke up then and obviously I started doing and a bit of my own sorry work. like was it was it just not working like you don't have to tell um, us all the de- personal details but yeah, people like, want to know uh, a wee bit I, I think looking back it's that whole thing of it's not you, it's me. And that's so true. It wasn't Scotty. It was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't healed. I was yeah. going near close to being healed. And I was, mm-hmm. there was some deep, deep, oh, what do you call it? Like deep scars there. That Is I it just that left. whole, you can't love someone else if you don't love yourself? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Like I remember just, it was the reactive stuff, like mm-hmm. stuff that would really, um, that I would react to. And I was like, well, if I'm reacting this, this, uh, extremely to stuff, then it must there must be something wrong with us because mm-hmm. you're annoying me so much that I'm getting really cocky or you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what I've learned over the years is the more that I have regulated that stimulus response pattern in myself, mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, you know, we'll always have we're a couple. We'll always have things that yeah. we're very different. But the more that I've um, regulated my nervous system and and become more more who I always was again you know like just accepted parts then our relationships just got stronger and stronger and stronger and that's, yeah, that's I think so I was cool. really, very blessed that I got a second chance with him he's a, yeah so I mate. love the relationship stuff so how did you get that second chance did you yeah so um, again after two years what happened yeah so we it was kind of a case I actually left Perth and I um feel a bit guilty now but I basically went and blew all our money I went to Europe (laughs) and traveled for um three months and just you know again looking back lost myself numbed myself just drank my way around however many bloody countries in Europe um and but every time I would get drunk or I saw you know I'd go to like some amazing I remember being in um uh off the coast of Italy and thinking oh my god like the first person I wanted to tell was my best mate you know well I'd want to ring Scotty mm. and, tell, and so I did and it probably was bloody annoying for him because you know this girl's just broken up with you and then she's like yeah. calling you all the time and then we just kind of like we'd catch up if we were at home 
um, from time to time. And then I remember he rang me. Um, so I was actually living in Sydney. I can come back to this if you like, but living in Sydney at this point, and he rang me and he was like, I've um, just been offered a job in China. And I remember thinking to my, because we'd started kind of seeing each other a little bit at this point. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, well, that's that done. Like I'm never moving to China. Yeah. Um, and so I said, you should take it. Like that's an awesome opportunity. Mm. That's, that's wicked. And so he did. And then he, yeah, he was like, why don't you just come over for a holiday? And so, yeah, I went over for a week and the rest is history. I moved, moved to China. Oh, that's so cool. How yeah, long were so you in China? Time. Uh, we were there for two and a half years. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yes. So we were back at sort of you were helping people that were that didn't need help. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I went and travelled, and then I came back as I always do. I came back home. Came back to mum and dad. That's you know back to that place of when I'm really lost. I come back to that solid foundation, and that's what it's um, for, isn't it? That's the beauty is. of yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel so blessed to have that. Yeah, um, not everyone has it. I came back there and oh, I just remember being so confused. Like I'd got, I was training for the motor type and marathon. I remember that and I'd go for these long runs. I'd be like, like, what do I do? Where do I go? Do I go back with Scotty? Do I go out? Like just real confused. Yeah. And this job came up working as an exercise physiologist slash health coach in Sydney. Yeah. And... Oh my god, I was so lucky to get that. Like that was the coolest job. I had the most amazing boss. Um, she was a ex phys and dietitian, and just, just one of those. Like I, we're still in touch now. We still, nice. um, yeah. And, and what would um, a, a day of work look like? Yeah, so we were working. It was actually a chronic disease management program. So you'd have people. Um, it was through their health insurance, so they would have. You know, they might have heart disease, lung disease, obesity, diabetes, all those sorts of things. And they would have access to, so there was a team of registered nurses, dietitians and exercise physiologists, but then we were all trained um, by Fiona Cosgrove, who was a, um, well, still is a health change, um, like motivational interviewing, behaviour change expert in Australia at the time. Um, And we were trained as health coaches. So it was it was so cool because it was still doing the work that I'd been doing, um, prescription and stuff, but bringing in this conversation, allowing me, which I always wanted to do. It's like allowing me the time to be able to dig down with people nice. and learn how to give people their own ability to find out their own answers. And that is what coaching is in an mm. essence. It's not about, um, and you'll, you'll know this um, from working with me, it's not about me sitting here and giving you all the answers to the things that you're finding hard. It's a process whereby a facilitated conversation that enables you to dig down and find that out. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of combining the two, um, <clears throat> which was really quite new at the time. Like we're talking 15 years ago. Um, and then when I moved to China, I you know went to my work and resigned and they actually said, do you want to keep working for us from China? So oh, I, I coached my client from China back to Sydney and the time that I was over there so I was really really lucky to be able to do that and just um yeah that was the start of for me it was like okay I know I know where I want to be I don't I want to move completely out of prescription and fully into these conversations because that's where my my passion definitely lies yeah and then um after China did you basically get married and come back to Central um so we got married while we were well we got married 
here in Ohio, but we um, were still living in China at the time. And then I just, China was a really interesting time for me. It was, the first year was awesome, like really cool um, experience that, you know, all new experiences. There's a massive expat community. So we had ball. But then I think all of the things that I need in my life for my mental health um, and the things that make me happy were quite hard over there. So okay. is that your sport space? family? Basically, oh, space, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, wow. sport family based. Like, yeah, I, you know, I, my favorite thing in the world, and I've just built a wee package around it, is getting out and walking mm-hmm. um, in the hills. And I would do that. I'd go out and it's almost like I'd get out onto the streets and the noise and the chaos. I don't know if you've been to China, but it's full no. on. And so then it was like, well, escape back to my apartment. But felt it was small, was it? And isolating. And yeah. Scotty was traveling a lot for work. So I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be on my own a lot. And then I was, you know, obviously working from the apartment um, via, well, it was via the phone actually in those times. We didn't have Zoom. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, you know, it was quite, I actually think it was looking back, that second year was quite hard, it was quite isolating. Mm -hmm. So having to really, again, just another time where you have to really dig dig deep and go, okay, this isn't actually making me happy anymore, you need to act on it, you need Mm -hmm. need to change. And so I actually left my poor husband (laughs) and I moved to Auckland, which is quite unusual, right? Like newly married, we knew we wanted to. New Zealand and so but I just knew I needed to get out of there he had some stuff he needed to tidy up mm-hmm. and so I came back to Auckland and I kind of random I got a job working as the sales manager for a world expedition company and I did that for eight months while we kind of worked out where we were going to be and um you know so yeah the eight be. months would have been quite hard it was really hard yeah yeah but it would have been harder to stay in China that was basically where your yeah. mind was at yeah and I think I've always I've always kind of been pretty good at, um, I don't like, I guess putting myself first when I think it, the alternative is actually crueler, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Well, you've um, felt firsthand what happens. You've, you know, yeah. when you don't. So, yeah, it's a very real thing. Yeah. But it's funny that well, I was actually having a, a, a conversation with a friend about this yesterday. We were talking about mum guilt, and I mean, it's such a oh, that's such a big topic, but. Mm. How many people, and I come across it every day with with my work, is how many people feel guilty for taking the time that they need for themselves? Yeah. Sometimes do you think people are hiding behind that, though, and they actually have things they need to deal with? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Normally. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But for me, it's always, I said, it's it's almost been the opposite. So I've always been able to put myself first, but then I felt guilty about that. Yes, so like, I know exactly what you mean. Like, why why am I being selfish when other people find it hard to be selfish kind yeah. of thing? Well, the selfish yeah, is the right word, but. About, oh, that's, you know, how busy and they haven't found it. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't, I used to not even participate in the conversation because I'd be like, well, shit, I found time to exercise and yeah. I've sat and had a coffee today and thinking, yeah. what am I, like, am I lazy? What am I doing wrong? Or, you know, am I being too selfish? Whereas I think now I'm like, Jesus, it's more selfish to to not do no, it. That's, like, you just had a deeper self-awareness of what it takes yeah. to um, have a good mindset, have a good life, basically. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah because um, I've just learned recently through you and with my therapy, like I thought that um, being busy and stuff was what I liked, but I'm finding the more time I have on my hands, the better I am, the, mo- 
the happier I am, the better mother I am, the actually better my business is. Yeah, isn't that um, interesting? The business component too. Yeah. Like the more you take the, the foot off the pedal, actually things start to flow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really oh, interesting. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> Those eight months would have been tough. Did you travel back to China a bit here and there? Uh, no, I never went back. He came back over. Um, and, yeah, we've had a few. We've had a few, like we've done a lot of long distance over the years, Scotty and I. Uh, well, I mean, he's in China now. Yeah. He's away um, for 10 days. And What I does think, he do, sorry, for a job or career? I'm so terrible at explaining. He <laughs> worked for um, a big chemical company called BASF. Um, so he works in the mining industry of that and he sort of looks after an Asia Pacific portfolio and he's kind of the like more R&D and he works in a kind of flotation area. So the way I describe it is the, like say you've got iron ore and you pull it out of the ground, mm. he works in like the chemicals that would help um, separate the iron ore from the oh, wow. dirt. And so was yeah. that like a progression from what he did in Perth through to moving to Sydney and then to yeah, China? He's, yeah, he's been with BASF for, oh, like 15, maybe 15 years. So we were, he was with them in Perth and then we moved to China. And then, I see. Yeah, yeah. And he then he sort China. of worked his way up and he can work from Cromwell but just has to travel back to China a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's away a bit. And it's, it's actually um, – Well, you get your you space. Know, you do you do get your space it's actually harder when he comes home I think the first couple of days when he gets home are a bit of an adjustment yeah um, a wee bit harder for the kids now I think that they've got things on that they when he's here he's very he's very hands-on mm. and he's very present. so and they're like yeah. oh daddy you're gonna be here for this oh I'm so yeah. excited about my concert or whatever you're gonna be here oh no you're away like yeah. yeah yeah but um I just think with life there's no perfect and I think there's there's positives and negatives to everything and I think mm. we're on a pretty yeah, we're on a like it's pretty awesome that when he's here, he's here, and yeah. for different reasons, you know, from a from a real, um, I was going to say selfish, but it's not selfish, like just no. a personal level, you know, like if I need some space or I need to get out for a run, and you know, especially when Artie was a baby and he would be sleeping, and it'd be no skin off Scotty's nose to just be here working while while Arts was asleep. Mm-hmm. So I've been quite lucky that yeah, he travels, but then when he's here, I get to do those sorts of things. Yeah. Which is pretty yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then what made you guys move to Cromwell? Because um, we couldn't just we couldn't decide how the hell we were going to get back to New Zealand because Where's he at, from? At that time, he's from Balfour originally. Oh yeah, down south. Yeah. His parents both um live here. Um and so they we his dad had cherry orchards and we had bought into the cherry orchards like when we were in China. And so we were like, well, actually, maybe we just, that's our, our way of getting back to New Zealand. We just find more of them and we go be cherry farmers. So that was kind of the plan. And then when we both, um, we both quit our jobs to move here, both of our, um, com- you know, both our business companies said, do you want to work from Cromwell? So oh, amazing. <laughs> we've been real lucky like that. We both continued doing our jobs. Like I continued working for the World Expedition Company up until I had Georgia. So I, Held yeah. on to it's that. not luck though it's because you're good workers and good at what you well, do yeah that's true yeah and then Scotty obviously he's just continued with them so um and then the we've got we've still got the orchard so we've got two orchards and we've got a um pack house as well that we're um it's a business called pure pack so we're it's a co-op with seven other growers and 
that yeah I mean that's been that's had its um, trials and tribulations and it sounds been really really tough tough few years so again you know we're going through a period of um, quite a lot of new oh, I guess it's stress you know like mm-hmm. having to deal with a business that's not in its high it's in a in a low and what does that all look like and um, and I'm sure you know Scotty wouldn't mind me sharing like he's it's been really tough on him and I think working from home you it's harder because you don't get those outlets of you know you sort of in, and when you're in your head you're really in your head and so I'm really proud of him like he's he's getting some coaching and he's awesome. his EAP um, program and you know I think that is so cool for a guy that like mm. is very he's you know you're, you're Kiwi macho man sort of yeah you know yeah. I'm like this is so cool that these conversations are becoming more normal and mm. um yeah and I think it's not just what what he's saying as well as it's not just when you when you're down in the dumps it's actually this is an awesome way just to elevate and learn more about yourself and that's such a positive thing so mm. yeah I think it's um yeah it's going to be an interesting I mean you know with with agriculture it's going to be an interesting few years yeah um, very much so but we ride it don't we and um, and again, I think I've always been someone that I'm a bit weird. I get a bit excited that this will excited force by us. the challenge. Yeah. yeah, it'll force us into looking at things differently, and yeah. you know, thinking outside the square and and challenging again those self beliefs that the limiting self beliefs. So that's where the fear comes from. Okay, what what fear is coming up right now, and yeah, what do I need to do? About it? Yeah, that's what yeah. Mark and I have been talking a lot about. Like, what can we do with the land we have? Like. It doesn't yep. have to be exactly what we're doing now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we can even something as simple as um, having chooks or something like that. Just, you know, it's sheep, beef and deer at the moment and he's getting more into crop. But yeah, just thinking outside the box a bit more because it isn't the way that it's working now is not going to work long term. But I also yeah. believe that um, we're going to run out of food. So this is an, another topic. The world's going to run out of food. So it is going to come back again. Yeah. So it's, yeah. um, it's a bit of a hard one. But you're right. At the moment, how can we be, how can we challenge what we know is normal? Yeah. How can we, how can we get creative and actually, I mean, one thing that Scott, we, I mean, we've just sold our house, actually what's under offer at the moment, which I think surprised a few people, but we were like, well, we, we have probably, I mean, we've got 10 more years that George is at home, um, you know, 15 until all of our kids have flown the coat. Yeah, What's it's not long, point? is it? So not, it's not long. And I think this comes back to, you know, really working out what's important to you. And when we look at that, it's kind of, we want to create these amazing memories with our kids when they're young enough to really enjoy them. Yeah. And we don't want, so what can we do to alleviate some financial pressure? Mm. You know, that's Smart. first and foremost. Um, yeah. And so, how do you, how do you do things a bit differently that enable you to do that? And I think so. It's relieving the pressure, but also giving you some more spending money to go out and do things because yeah. a lot of things cost. There are things you can do for free, but most yeah. things will cost, don't they? Yeah, but even you know, even with that, we're like we're not just big. being present. Yeah, the things that we love to do with our kids is like you know, go tramping, go camping. Yeah. It's not yeah. We talked about well, we're not we're tenters. And we're not tending to go away for a night because it's a big, especially with three kids, it's quite a massive undertaking to put the tent up for a night. Yeah. So we're like, well, where can we, um, you know, potentially, like, for example, we've got the Hilux sitting there that 
because we're not actively working on the orchard as much these days, we've got someone managing it. We don't need a Hilux sitting there. We could just have a cheaper truck that we use every now and again yeah. and use that difference to put towards a caravan. Yeah, that, yes, that's permanently in a spot. Or, yeah. yeah, and it would create opportunity for us to make these memories with our kids. So, yeah, nice. yeah I think we're just in this phase of what can we do to tweak things and really mm-hmm. examine every part of our life that can create this life that really lights us up. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the same as Joe Boggs down the road. It can be mm-hmm. what what it is for us you know yeah and you have to um be have that time when you're not rushing and have that time to work on your mind to make decisions like that to one have the confidence to make those decisions and two have the space in your brain because otherwise everyone's just on this hamster wheel and they don't have time to analyze what they could change within their lives do they yeah totally yeah yeah it's space to ask questions isn't it yeah now i just saw something recently on your Instagram about motherhood it not being a simple process to actually get a baby. Oh, yes. Not yeah, not yeah, motherhood. Yeah. Motherhood's well, it's challenging for yeah. everyone, but I mean actually conceiving. No, not conceiving, yes. holding. Yeah, yeah. So we um yeah, we had so I've got three children. Um they are eight. No, they're not. That's <laughs> hard, eh? Really hard. <laughs> Seven, five, and Addie's just turned three. That's probably because uh, she's always saying, I'm nearly eight, mum, I'm nearly eight. Yeah, I know, I'm thinking, and I keep saying to people, I'm nearly eight, nearly six. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had six miscarriages uh, to get the kids, um, or in the process of getting that's our children. That's a lot. Like, that's, that's yeah. yeah. It must have and been hard. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny. Like, at the time, I think I was just so... And I can't, like, yeah, in this zone of I'm going to get my three kids that I just kept. I was like, I didn't even kind of have the space to to be in it. I mean, it was. You just knew that you'd get there and you knew you'd been through challenges. You knew you'd just push on and eventually get your three. And so was it before number one or in between children? One one before Georgia, I think. Eldest. uh, yeah, Yeah, one before the eldest and then was it? Two between Georgia and Liv, and then must have been three between, and then we did a round of IVF as well. So they, because I, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of, um, I was working with a um, gynecologist and um, fertility specialist, and they, I was quite a unique case, Kate, because it's pretty unusual. I had really low AMH, I don't know if you know, so that's like your egg counting quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, mine was down around, I think, 2.5, which is really low. And so it's really unusual. That's when people generally struggle to conceive. But I was falling pregnant, but left, right. And anytime we tried, I'd fall pregnant. It was yeah. just the, the holding of the babies. Mm-hmm. And so they, I mean, they still don't exactly know what it was, but there is a new thing that they were looking into called like hyperfertility. And it's where almost your body um, tries to make anything viable. I so, see, but they weren't, but they were never going to be viable, but your bodies. Yeah, viable. I see. So yeah. They, we decided to do a round of IVF and the, the, I guess the. Was that before there, number three? Yeah. 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 Is that we would um, do genetic testing on them. And then, so we put one back in, which we will never, I mean, that didn't hold and we don't know whether that would have ever been viable, but the other, I think I got, was it two or three? 
three other embryos were all um, genetically not okay. Mm. So that was interesting. And so yeah. that's potentially what was, you know, going on as well. Yeah. But and then And would it be quite yeah. early on that you'd miscarry or would you take them? Yeah, it was. So the lot the latest was twelve weeks and yeah. then the rest were kind of between eight and twelve weeks. And I think yeah. that, you know, I know you've talked to a few people on this um podcast about um miscarriage and I think that's the perhaps the hardest thing about miscarriage is that especially when it's early, it's this real confusing place of you're not allowed to properly grieve because it's not a real baby it's not you know and it's like well my experience with it was I can tell you having been pregnant and giving birth to three babies those other babies were as real and in our family and like mentally planned for and Mm. you know the minute you know you're pregnant you your brain goes right through its whole journey of life basically yeah, yeah, it's so, it's a, I mean, it was pretty, I look back on, I mean, I don't know if this is pretty gory, but um, whether it's too much, but. Um, no, nothing's too much. We- if I mean, if anyone is struggling through this at the moment, this might be too much, you might not want to listen to this. But yeah. It's, um, I remember one, it was kind of later on when we'd already had, because I'd had three DNCs as well, which is a lot of surgery and I'd had laparoscopies and. I mean, I've had my appendix out. So I'd had a lot of kind of abdominal pelvic surgery. So mm-hmm. it was getting to the point that it was like, you know, this is starting to, um, you know, become a lot. Yeah, but you're and, like, no, I'm having three children. Yeah, it's fun. I, was, I mean, that's that stubborn, yeah. that stubborn part of me, Kate. Like I, I am, that is probably one of my greatest strengths and greatest challenges is yeah. when I my sense of belief is quite strong. (laughs) Do you find that that with people, sorry, that often their strengths are also the weaknesses? Like when strengths are so powerful like that, they... Yeah, well, I think it's, again, it's this this awareness to establish when it is a strength and when it is a weakness. Understanding when, which aspect of it. It's a bit like when you look at, say, your values and we kind of talk about like limiting values. And I think I talked to you about this the last time we spoke, like, you know people pleasing might be a a value of yours and that can be it can have positive um parts to it but it can also make you behave in a way that can be quite limiting to you and so yeah with the strengths and weaknesses I always think it's understanding in what capacity they're they're benefiting you and when they're holding you back a little bit yeah and that can be difficult to kind of assertion sometimes yeah but um yeah back to the glory yeah so I was I was found out that so we'd been in there was the you know this baby had um had died and so you go down to the I just think the whole I don't know the whole process and the whole service needs a bloody good overhaul I think I just think it's so there's not enough and this is the whole health system and I know that it's stretched and I know Mm. that the resources there and health and education all of it But I think, you know, you go in and you're told that your baby's died and then it's like, cool, see you later. Mm. Um, Best of luck, you'll probably bleed. And, you know, like they give you some pads and it's just so, it's so, um, I think if anyone is really, really struggling after the fact, I feel like there's not a lot of support. And so, Mm. yeah, anyway, I was down in Dunedin and basically I went to the, you go like to the early pregnancy clinic and they were like, you can either, because mine would never, I would never miscarry by myself. So 
it would be like, well, you're either going to DNC or this time they were like, we can actually give you some drugs that will induce a miscarriage. So the DNC is when they suck it out. They go in and they take it out. Yeah. yeah. But I really just didn't want to go under general again. I, I don't love it. It's not so good many. for my body. Yeah. So I, I'll try the um, induced miscarriage. And so they gave me, um, yeah, these drugs. And then you go, you know, back to your shitty little motel because you've spent so much time in Dunedin that you can't afford any, you know, <laughs> associations. Like I remember we went for this Thai meal and it's this weird thing of, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to have a beer because I'm not pregnant anymore. But yeah. I've still got this baby inside me. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah, it's so a weird, weird feeling. Yeah. And so the next day, nothing had really happened. So we were like, well, we, I'm going to be having a DNC. And I remember Scotty and I went to the mall in um, the Golden Centre. So it's, it's kind of like you're having a break away, but you're not. It's, it's kind of yeah. weird limbo. Like, yeah. yeah. And I went to the toilet. I remember I ordered a scone and a coffee, went to the toilet. And this, yeah, it's like it's even hard to talk about now because I'm like, well, do you call it a baby or a fetus or a? Mm. But it was as like a baby seahorse. Like it, you can, yeah. I could visually, you know, like you look at the the your babies and how they grow. Like you could totally look like a little baby. Yeah, yeah. And so you've like literally, like I talk about that, and I can talk about oh, this yeah. now. And it's like, thank God, like where's the? It's almost like it's. I mean, I've worked through a lot of this, but. In some ways, it's so, it's almost like you've distanced yourself from that experience because mm-hmm. that is horrific, right? Yeah, like it's horrific, yeah. What's more horrific is I had to um, wrap it in toilet paper, put it in my handbag. Because you wouldn't want to, yeah. Well, the, no, it's not that I didn't want to flush it. Well, I didn't really want to flush it, but the hospital wanted it for testing. Ah, uh, right. So like, if this happens, can you collect the sample? And they called it a sample, which is even more horrific. Mm. And bring it to the hospital. So I put it in my handbag, went up to Scotty, and I was like, we've got to go. He was like, fuck, you're white. What's happened? Yeah. And then walking down the street, you know, it's like experiences like that that you just think, how am am I doing this? Like, how is this? Yeah. And that just shows how, um, you know, you just don't know what's going on with people. Like, people would have walked past you that day, no idea what has just happened. More, can I say fucked up, but more fucked up is I reckon if someone, because we're talking like before I did a lot more deeper work on myself. I reckon if someone had stopped me in the street that day, like say you, I'd walked past you mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen you in years and you'd talked to me, I reckon I could have been like, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, no, so really good. Things are going well. Yeah. I honestly reckon I could have done that. It was like this, just don't show people. People don't want to see that. Mm. But actually, so many things like that, isn't there? And miscarriage is one of those big ones. Um, I'm a firm believer that we should just tell people when we find out we're pregnant. And then if we have a miscarriage, we can tell them that we've had a miscarriage and normalize it. Yeah, I remember that with, um, because I did want to tell people early on and I used to think it was so naughty. Mm, I was like, oh, don't tell anyone. I'm only eight weeks. So at, at 12 weeks, we can tell people. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, like I think um, that definitely, that has, what was really interesting with my miscarriages is if you want to link it back to my, you know, the earlier uh, bulimia is it brought back a flood of not trusting my body. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, been the, the fascinating, and I can only do that in reflection now because I've been able to link 
and look at patterns and look at how it all connects together and mm. but it really and how that presented was actually god this is going like further again but <laughs> it presented with, i've developed chronic jaw and teeth pain because oh, you were clenching so much because I was so stressed through that process and then it became like well of course you're going to get um, of course all your teeth are going to be shit because you did that to your body of course mm-hmm. you're going to have because you did that to your body like all of this deep guilt and shame mm-hmm. wrapped up in it and that's what I'm to be honest that's probably still the healing that has to happen is releasing the because now what's you know as I said like nourishing my body is so important to me it's being having compassion as well to go what's been has been you, yeah like you didn't have the knowledge that you do now you mm-hmm. didn't um, you know and you you didn't try and hurt your body and I just skimmed through I'm about to start reading Kane Briscoe's book and he's got some things in there and it's something along the lines of we shouldn't look at the past with the present lens and that's yeah. what we do don't we and I do that to yeah. you judge what you did once based on the yeah. knowledge you have now which is yeah. yeah yeah really debilitating yeah it is yeah so yeah still still learning to let that go I think yeah still learning to yeah because on that I think we also need to give ourselves that's something I'm finding the grace that it can take time even if we've worked on it and then we think we've we've overcome it like you would have thought you did that work was it before China and so you would have thought you'd got through it and then things happen in life and you realize and it sort of surfaces again and you need to do some more work. Yeah, I always explain it to clients. It's like the onion, like you take a layer off and... And you feel you great feel for a- taking that layer off, don't you? Yeah, well, yeah. often you feel naked to start with, right? You feel yeah. like this is you and that can be a really scary place to be and it feels uncomfortable because it's out of the comfort zone and then it gets comfortable. You build that new layer and it feels feels great. But then, yeah, you something else comes up in life that um like I'll give you an example actually <laughs> last Thursday night I chipped my tooth yeah usually <laughs> after dinner did you say yeah <laughs> and I just went straight back like so I yeah as I said I developed that chronic tooth pain and all that sort of stuff but then for the last two years I've been wearing a mouth guard to bed and that's I haven't had any pain for two years and I've been really awesome and none of that anxiety or anything like that and it all came flooding back it, mm. like literally like I oh man people like anxiety I'd never suffered anxiety when I was younger and I definitely developed an anxiety around my teeth around that time that stressful time and it, yeah Thursday night it all came back and where I was going with it was just so fascinating like mm. it was when you're anxious like that, you're completely, well, for me, it's like everything's going on around me, but I'm just so in my head. I can't be present. I mm-hmm. feel a bit like nauseous. And I was like, well, that chip, that's going to mean you're probably going to, you know, you, they'll, they'll do a filling and then the filling will fail and you'll probably need a root canal and then the root canal will fail and then you're going to lose your teeth and then you're going to look like a homeless person. <laughs> and that all is going to happen to you because you were bulimic. So you, you know and it's like yeah you know and it's like this ability so what I'm saying I guess is I don't think you're ever fully fully through it mm. but I can now I watched it I, I see what you mean it, yeah you watch I, those sorts processes it, but I was watching it if that makes yeah. sense instead of just being in that space I could actually go okay 
you're, you, uh, this is happening, but I could kind of go, okay, what, what, what do you need to put in place to get you out of this? Whereas mm-hmm. I don't think I used to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, you know, really, if we look at what coaching helps people to do is, is that it's create that space between with it, or the ability to kind of not so much get rid of all the negative thoughts. That's not humanly possible and nor, nor is it the intention, but mm-hmm. let's get, let's get more aware of them because and be able to deal with them have the tools to yeah totally and then helping people you know then put the plan in place as to how to um you know create the new neural pathways to create better Mm -hmm. better thought patterns and all that sort of stuff so it's so um, fascinating watching myself the other night Mm. and I was like stop I was like oh I thought I dealt with this and I thought you know but here it is and it's back to show me I realized this yesterday it's back to show me that I've got I've got more work to do around letting go of the guilt. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Mm. How cool is that? Like that's not that's just a lovely message that I've been given. It's a bit yeah. shit, shit at the time, but what a great message to then go. Okay, go and work on this stuff because totally. this will release more more things and. It's and I really think it's a, our minds. It's like our, our bodies. Um, you know, we don't do one workout and go sweet with it. You know, yeah. you have to keep keep working on it, and it must be yeah. the same with our minds. Yeah, and it's I find it really um, it's challenging because I think we are sold that quick fixes are available to us. Mm. We're a society that wants that we're impatient. We want things now, mm. and I think we understand with you know, let's for example, nutrition or um, exercise that that takes. The plan and then it takes the implementation and it takes the you know practice and all that mm. sort of stuff but I think we're still sometimes fooling ourselves with the mind stuff that we can you know go and have a chat with someone or we can um you know we, we have to do I, I don't really like the word the work but it is kind of it that is, right yeah. like it, well it feels st- like work to start with but really what you want to do is create habits for yeah. helping your mind and then it just becomes part of your life like journaling that I'm having to really work to do it I've done it three times this week um and I just I sort of haven't mentioned or maybe I do in my intro but um you know I've talked a lot um for people that have been long-term listeners of the podcast about Mm. the fact that I need to go and see someone and a lot of our guests have um turned their lives around by getting therapy Mm. or some form of therapy and finally I did it everybody in February, I started. I have a lady that's it's more what you'd call therapy, and then I've been doing coaching with Sarah. So, yeah, it's changed a lot for me, and I'm excited to see see what I can still uncover. Like you say, it's all about what's going on in your mind, and I've learnt so much about myself that I thought wasn't. There were things that I knew I wanted to deal with but I guess what I didn't realize is how much I'd be given the tools to work through a multitude of things and that's what you're sort of talking about with that sort of moment and having these challenging things come up but if you've got the tools you can work through them rather than what you and I previously did in our lives was when challenging things come up we try and mask it or we get really busy or like at uni we drink all the time or whatever it is to mask what's actually going on so can you talk us through like who would benefit from seeing you and what would that involve 
Yeah. So really anyone that wants to be in a different place than they are now, I think is the broadest way of, you know, I deal with or work with a huge number of different um, areas and people and men and women and um, at totally different stages of their life. But I guess the common the common thread is that they want to be somewhere different. Mm. Uh, they often feel a bit stuck in where they're at. And actually what you've just described is really, really common um, of people not, they know they want to be somewhere different, but they can't kind of pinpoint Hmm. what that is or what's going or on or like what was for me it's like can't pinpoint it slash um don't think it's bad enough like I'm yes. all right yeah. I'll be right yeah but just not feel flat or dull yeah, yeah. feel or having having maybe reactions to things that, that then makes them feel really crappy about themselves and that's a, a classic one with mums you know it's the whole lose it with your kids or lose it with your spouse because you're you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're coming from a place of you're not in alignment with yourself. You're not satisfied with, with where you're at and what you're doing. You're not feeling um, that you've got purpose. And yeah. um, so that's really, that's really what I help people to, there's a few things, help people to, def- to define, um, first of all, where they want to get to, where they want to be. I think that is often overlooked. We know we want to be, as I say, somewhere different, but we've actually never sat down with anyone and really defined for ourselves how will you know when you get there, and what are you using to kind of validate that you're 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 getting closer. And mm-hmm. that's that whole external validation versus that internal alignment of knowing that you're in line in alignment with your values and mm-hmm. what's important to you and who you are. You know, it's that all that authenticity package of it as well. So I work with people. I've got. A couple of different you know options at the moment so I have brought in I typically used to have like a minimum of six sessions just because I know to get um, maximum value from from coaching it's that working over a certain time frame that elicits the the new habits to be formed and that sort of thing mm-hmm. but I recognize and it's again speaks to what you're talking about I think when people often they need to experience it to understand the benefit of it yeah, so um, they'll commit to the three and then probably get another three yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah, and so it's actually working quite well. I've bought in a, a sort of more of an introduction three session package, and because it can be really confronting for people who have never done this sort of work mm. before as well, I think that doesn't feel like it's such an outlay. And the other part of that as well, which is really interesting, is it's you know the the money side of it's really fascinating because people will go out and you know like easily drop a couple of hundred bucks on a new on a new pair of jeans or mm. go and get their nails done or their hair done or a, a meal or whatever yet we are so tough on ourselves when it comes to spending money on what I would consider will change your life yeah. the most and that is I your think, mind do you think it's also you go and buy something new that's instant gratification yeah whereas yeah. you have to actually put in the work and people um can sometimes be scared of that and what how that might look and something that I've found is people always say oh you know you should talk to someone and I've always been like I don't feel like talking to someone's going to help me but I didn't realize that actually what I needed was people to talk through but give me the tools to work through things so it's like it's not going to talk to someone it's going to get the tools to change your mindset to change your way of thinking to get back to your values yeah, which is quite yeah. different. It is very different. Did it differ, you know, when you 
when we first started working together and obviously you hadn't had any experience with coaching was it different than you thought it was going to be yeah I think so and I think there's quite a lot of like when you hear the word coaching sometimes I think not sure what it is it's a tough I mean it is an unregulated industry at the Mm. moment I think that will change and I hope that does change but the definition of a coach differs Mm. depending on who you're getting as well so I believe coaching in its true essence really is about not not giving answers and not you know that's mentoring and teaching and that's great and that's needed in some capacity but coaching Mm -hmm. really is about facilitating a conversation that that leads you to find your own and again I think people sometimes are like why would I spend money on something that she's not even going to tell me what to do but I guarantee you and I think you can attest to this case definitely yeah it's so much more powerful to find your own answers Mm. and all of the research shows us that you are so much more likely to actually put that into practice if yeah. you feel like you've you've you know come to that conclusion yourself it's so much it's such a way deeper connection to it and mm. you need to have that deep connection for it to be important yeah and I think that's what we overlook and and I think the other part to people investing in themselves and that's why I think the the three sessions working well for people is often people don't value themselves enough at the start mm. so it's almost like they need a bit of coaching to get to the point that, that they feel worth it. Mm-hmm. They feel, yes, you know, it's back- I know what you mean, like, exactly. Oh, yeah, I shouldn't need to be spending money on stuff that I should just have together. But yeah, if we can, I don't know, I'd love this. I mean, it's, it's actually really cool. I've just, I've just come on board as for a law firm in Dunedin, actually, as part of their EAP program. So what really excites me about What's that EAP? is so their employee assistance program okay so if anyone's having anything in their life whether it's work related or personal that they are you know finding difficult then typically in the past it's always been um, psychologists or counsellors but this firm has brought on me as a coach which I think is a, just a different it's a different way of the, having the conversation yeah. And I think that's a really exciting thing that people are sort of seeing that there's, yeah, value in, in different ways for people to work through this stuff. Yeah. Um, and they, I think they all do have value. They're all just slightly different in how we so how we approach it. So, yeah, totally. Um, I think that, you know, I was saying who would benefit from this, and I firmly believe that everybody would. But some, you know, coming back to fitness and things and health, for anyone out there who is struggling to be consistent with exercise or nutrition, and they're not sure why, it's likely that there's a whole lot of other things going on that you can unpack with coaching that will have that flow and effect where you'll be able to then look after yourself well and exercise and feel, you know, place value on yourself and your health and wellness. It's not as simple as, oh, I struggle to exercise. You know, there's there's things to unpack. And maybe, I don't know if you feel comfortable, but even using you as an example, if you're comfortable to share, like, yeah. you know, like looking at, whether it's the exercise and the nutrition components for you, what has coaching, you know, what has it done that's kind of helped you in that realm? Yeah, so my biggest aha moment was realising that my happiness is actually a state within me rather than 
events or things happening. So previously it had been all associated with, um, oh, can't wait for this. And you go and do that and it's all fun and exciting and I'm happy while I'm doing it. Whereas now I'm happy on a Sunday cleaning with my with a podcast on. Like, like it's like pure joy. Like mm-hmm. it's not doing anything. It's just being happy within myself. And that's enabled me to have a lot clearer mind. We've also done work on, for example, with my nutrition, I've been doing quite a bit of self-sabotage the last couple of years. Um, and we sort of got to the bottom of my emotions around that. And what we sort of discovered was that I was in this fright flight state, the stress. And so I was all tense and overeating. If I just took a, if I just take a deep, big, deep breath and I'm having to refocus that this week, um, cause I sort of got out of the routine of it, just taking big, deep breath when I'm eating and just slowing down, then I can actually, um, listen to my cues and eat, I guess, normally, or just eat, um, eat from a place of, I don't know, what's the right word? It's, it's eating and enjoying it rather than eating and overeating because I'm just tense and I'm just in a hurry and I just can't stop. I just got to finish the bowl and then get on to the next thing. Um, and then with exercise, I'm exercising um, more each week. And I think that's probably I've given because I've unpacked lots of things, I'm letting my values align. Yeah. Like that's always where I've wanted to be, but because my I wasn't in my headspace wasn't right. I wasn't sort of letting myself do the things that made me feel, you know, like I was still exercising and more than a lot of people, but I have a different level of what's the right amount for me, yeah. which is a lot more than most people. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, totally. And I just going back to the nutrition part, I think for you know, for anyone listening that you know, wants to understand it a little bit deeper, when we we did a lot of work, because as you say, you've you've kind of you're able to kind of stop yourself and use a wee tool there to to break. It's almost like the thoughts, you, you, you have the thoughts and then they create feeling in your body and you're, before that becomes behaviour, you're able to catch that. Mm. And I think what is so classic when it comes to whether it's eating or exercise um, behaviours that people are wanting to change, they're failing to look at, well, what is the emotion that happens before the behaviour? And I, that's a lot of the work that you and I have done, right, is kind of really digging down deeply into what was coming up for you then, you know, we, before you did that. And it can be in reflection. That's a really powerful tool is going, looking back and going, well, let's take that situation and let's really unpack it. And the more that you do that with different facets of your life, you can start to connect the dots. And now mm-hmm. they, that's the, those aha moments where you go, oh, that's why I do that, because I was feeling like that. How do I stop feeling like that? Yeah. What was that? And that's what I'm doing with my food diary. It's not just about what I'm eating. It's about what I'm feeling. Like I even, you know, made a note the other night at dinner that I realized I was, I was thinking about the next thing, getting on and getting the dishes done. And I was sort of tensed and eating and I didn't properly listen to my cues and um, overate. Which, yeah. And instead of writing down notes, this is what I had, I ate too much. You say, felt tense while I was eating. Um, next time, you know, I want to remind myself to relax and enjoy sitting around with my family and eating and 100%. And I think, you know, for, for anyone listening, coaching, absolutely, that's a way to kind of fast track that. But if, if that's not something you're, you're keen to do or ready to do, go and talk to someone, you can start to do this work, even by just 
it's about creating space. You know, we've we've talked about journaling a lot. It's a fantastic tool to get those thoughts and those feelings onto paper that you can do self-reflection. I used to think, can I just quickly say, because if anyone else is thinking like this, um, you know, when people say they did journaling, I just sort of rolled my eyes and was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> great like what would that do and um sort of felt like it was an idealistic thing or something that it's like almost like a a fad or something that you know you see people on instagram journaling and i just sort of yeah yeah bullshit it's not it's not my sort of thing but yeah i was totally getting i think it's like meditation and stuff as well like i i look at meditation so differently now than i used to i used to think it was like you know sit cross-legged and yeah my thoughts um were scattered that I was doing it wrong and I had to be like it was almost like this yes. exercise of concentration whereas now I meditate but not in the way that people probably perceive meditation to be my meditate like I did it before I oh, you just sit forward. and do nothing for 10 minutes don't you I just went and sat outside yeah. I like to be outside if I can and I just sat and I just let my thoughts come and go yeah. and it's about like not not even catching your thoughts but just noticing your thoughts and bringing it back to the present moment mm-hmm. bring it back bring it back and doing that sort of stuff that it's it's such a powerful thing for both our nervous system and then Mm. just practicing the 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 capturing of of where we are and bringing it to somewhere different rather than letting for a lot of our members who do our hip workouts and our weights and they say you know I just can't do yoga I need to get back into it too you're not alone all I want to is a better word is people go to do yoga and they can't because of all those crazy thoughts and they can't relax so that's often a sign that you know there might be some tools that could be learned to you and I've talked about that how I think we've both been that person in the past that just it was too uncomfortable Mm. sitting quiet so what's the best remedy for that I'll just stay real busy and I'll always have people around me and I'll every gap but the problem with that is it's not self-sustainable and uh, I think you then add children to the mix or you know busy careers or whatever it is that else you're going on in, in your life and yeah our poor old nervous systems really take a hit and I think you know one thing I'll say about the mind as well is we do you know if, if your nervous system is absolutely gone haywire it's really hard to you know that you know, yeah. you know when you're in that kind of fight flight response Oh yeah, I know it well. Yourself down from that, like that's a really hard place to come at from like mind work, if you know what I mean. It's actually that's when we need to be doing those other modalities that help to calm us before we can then actually start rationally using our brains because mm-hmm. our brain is operating from a different state when we're in that space. Yeah. So that's yeah, a lot of the stuff that I'll give people on initial calls is actually um, little tools and tricks, tips and tricks to help kind of with the nervous system mm-hmm. stuff like breath work. And, and you've and done like a tips it. and tricks um, for dedicate members. There's a tips and tricks with Sarah on minds, mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Tools a bit just understanding the whole mind brain connection, which I think yeah. is a good fundamental thing to get a grasp of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something else that I've found really valuable for me is well something I've noticed is I think one of my fears was or one of my thoughts was I wondered whether I might lose a bit of my drive for my business but I haven't what do you think that was about well it kind of came up when we talked about external validation yeah and that was when I um, thought oh I wonder if that's what's driving 
me to work hard and get my business going and do what I do. I wonder if that's a big thing, but it hasn't been. And I'm even more into it now. You have to look at, you look at every top successful sportsman or, you know, these multi-billionaires, like they all have coaches. Yeah, they do. Yeah. It's a no-brainer really Mm. for helping to take To be at your best, isn't it? Like, we want to be at our best and... I wish we all had one. I wish I could afford to have one all the time. Like I periodically use one, but I, you know, it's a cost. I'd love to, I'd yeah. love to have coaching every week. Mm. Yeah. So how often, for those that are interested, how often do you, do you talk every couple of weeks, have three sessions or how does that work? With my coach or with clients? With your clients, yeah. Yeah. So every, normally fortnightly, I find quite a nice way to do it. So the first session is 90 minutes. I just find that's that's almost more of an information gathering one where we just start to yeah, work out exactly where it is that you're wanting to hit, what's going on for you at the moment. What you know, like really And it's getting that trust, that person trusting you to really yeah. let go, isn't it? You've mentioned that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that can take a bit, you're right. And then the sessions after that are 75 minutes and normally fortnightly. And I mean a lot of my clients will continue after the six because they might be in a state, they might have something going on in their life that is a, you know, transitional thing, you know, with their business or with something personally. It's not a, it's not something that I really want to get you to a point that you are able to go off and I don't want to keep you with me forever. That's not the idea of coaching. It's getting you to a place that you're confident and you've got the tools to actually when new things come up in your life that, that they will, right? It's, mm-hmm. That's, that's going to happen to all of us you can draw on that past knowledge and experience to go okay new challenge this is hard but I've got stuff in my back pocket to to deal with this some people come back for like little chickens if there's something new going on but um and sometimes is that more just almost a confidence thing that they do know that they've got it yeah yeah well even it's a little nudge like I think that's why I've cut like I still use the same I've got a coach in Perth that I've used over the years and sometimes I'll be it's a bit like now you know like what I shared with you with what came up for me on Thursday night Mm. I know that there's another layer ready to be peeled back and I think it's really really hard sometimes to find the perspective or the clarity ourselves Mm -hmm. and that's where I think these sorts of things are very beneficial to help us gain that 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 I always explain it like you know, if you think of a flashlight in your in your head, we tend to have it shined on the same kind of spot. And I think what talking to someone who is trained to enable you to, it's like turn that flashlight around and look at things. So it's not someone saying to you, I think you should do A, B and C. Mm-hmm. It's framing things in a way and directing the conversation in a way that you will go, ah, oh, I could... I could draw on that experience or those strengths of mine or those weaknesses or this happened before and that re- worked really well. And, you know, like find those connections to be able to go, right, it's like building creativity and this is a new, and you, you, you tend to, as, as I'm sure you've experienced, Kate, you kind of are like, ah, oh, okay, this is a different way of looking at it. Mm. I could try, I could totally try this. Yeah, this could definitely work. And you get that real, it's like that rush of, this is possible. Yeah. And I think, when you're stuck in your head in a situ- in a problem or a situation, sometimes nothing, you're not coming from a creative place. You're coming from a real kind of, 
limiting place where you can't see all the options even mm. though they're there mm. you just can't quite see them so yeah. yeah some people yeah do come back and that's cool and um, I'm also actually offering at the moment a what I call mind hype which is uh, taking people I've got my first one um, actually next week or week after which is really exciting, exciting. yeah taking people obviously out. just I, for people that are local to Cromwell-ish. Well, no. What's really interesting is the two that I've booked are traveling for it, which oh, is really wow. cool. But do you know what? This would be so cool. Like, say you're in Auckland and you're coming down to Central, as people do, right? They come to Queenstown mm-hmm. or Wanaka for a ski holiday or on holiday. Like, book a might hike while yeah. you're there. Yeah. Because you get like holidays are brilliant for putting you mm-hmm. in a different. Well, hike. you can like, look at your life from out of it, kind of rather than stuck in the day to day. Yeah. yeah, and go away with a, you know, rather than getting a nice massage while you're down here, come and yeah. work on your mic. Nice, yeah. I like, like it. That would be really cool. So, yeah, I take people out for a couple of hours. It's sort of an hour and a half walk and coaching. Um, and then we sort of sit and reflect and do some work and a bit of a journal, at the, you know, for half an hour at the end. And then they get a follow-up half-hour call a couple of weeks later as well just to awesome. check in and see how things are going. So. Oh, it sounds yeah, amazing. Just- and something you said before, I've been wanting to say that I sort of, you know, had a wee aha moment. You're saying about the layers and how you've peeled back and you've got another layer. Mm. I've just realized a way that I can look at things um, rather than, oh, no, I haven't, I actually haven't dealt with that yet. I thought I had is, wow, now I'm ready to do that next layer. How awesome. I've come that far that I can. Yeah do that next layer rather than it being a negative thing that you've still got layers to go yeah yeah and do you know how I actually look at it because I love I love a good metaphor and I love visuals Mm. is I actually picture the real me so the pure like innocent form of me at the center of the onion and the layers are just the conditioning Mm. of my life that have come on top of it yeah. So actually, when I'm peeling back the layers, I'm not I'm not trying to find a new person. I'm actually mm-hmm. just getting back to who is already there. Yeah. But that's what I was saying earlier about the more I accept, you know, those parts of me that, yeah, I'm wanting to change them and I'm wanting to get rid of that layer and shed that part, you know, that that belief or whatever it is. The the more the more um, well, it sounds kind of cliche, but it's just, like I just feel so much more powerful and happy and content and I think you're nodding because I know you feel the same it's like you peel that stuff off and I know it can seem scary but man that's where the goodness is isn't it like getting who you are because and like you said just smiling um what you you often say is just smiling for no reason like driving in the car or I'm like get it sometimes just be walking down the hallway and just smile just for no reason well for lots of reasons but just grateful for everything not yeah. caused by an external yeah. thing that's yeah. going on. Just And I want to try and like, I mean, as we've talked about, social media is quite new for me and that's navigating what all that looks like. But that's what I'm trying to, I'd really like to try and portray on there as well as, as a coach, like I'm just like you. I'm just, I'm human and I have good days. I have bad days. I have but I guess the difference for me now compared to where I used to be in my life is I've got the awareness to watch myself when I'm in those. So yeah. I still feel it, but I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. And then by watching it and knowing what's going on, you can act on it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference that I've noticed over the years is that's that's where that freedom, I think, comes from, mm-hmm. um, which is available to all of us. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm just looking at the time. We've um I knew we we're gonna be long. It's good though. People would have got lots of cleaning or walking or driving or whatever they've been yeah. doing done. Like a good podcast. Yeah. I've just got 10 questions. I've been yeah, trying to think how to do these fun questions at the end. And I was thinking, do we need it? And I I think we'll do it. So 10 questions. Your favorite dedicate workout? Ignite. Yeah. But then I did a really great sculpt one. Was actually, I think it was an old one the other day, and I loved that as well because yeah. I do a lot of high intensity stuff anyway. So I yeah. think, I think in my gut, I know I need to do more yeah. um, strength based stuff. So yeah, both of them. Favorite type of exercise in general? Uh, walking or running out in the hills, away from everyone. Something you dislike about the fitness industry? Uh, this is probably the health industry in general. Is making people feel like there's lack making people feel like like preying on their vulnerabilities yeah they're less than Mm -hmm. it's like actually you're all you're all capable it's just getting getting to that point there's nothing missing in you there's nothing Mm -hmm. yeah if that makes sense totally favorite item of clothing that you have at the moment I bought a new um I was laughing yesterday I reckon I'm like sitting in a place of um, I don't know if anyone can relate to this, of wanting to live like this real simple life where, you know, we own nothing to being like, oh, I love that print. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought this really gorgeous, um, I don't know the girl next door over in um, Frankton, but it's just an elm kind of, I don't even think it's wool, but like a checked coat and I love it. Nice. Moment. I've been treating that. Yeah. Favourite fashion trend that's there is at the moment because there's some that I'm not a fan of, but what's your fave? Uh, Mate, I'm I'm probably not the person to ask. I don't I, d- I don't follow trends. I'm not someone. But you that would have seen on. what's out and around. What have I seen? People just love my fashion posts, so I was like, I'll put some more fashion questions in here, not just yeah, fitness. A model too. I'm like, God, how do you look that good modelling clothes in your house? Um, favorite fashion trend. I do love like I don't even know if this is a fashion trend, but like uh, kind of layering with like a yeah that is and, yeah you know and then the coat and I yeah. love that and people even layering um like a shirt and then your jersey like yeah. your top and then a jacket like yeah. yeah it's probably me yeah how have you pushed yourself out of your comfort zone recently it's a longer one doing this yeah awesome <laughs> love it love it and your social media I'm gonna say because I think this is this might help someone I remember I was thinking about this morning. It would have been a year ago, and I was because I have listened to quite a lot of your podcast. And this is way before we got in contact. And I was listening to the podcast, and I was thinking to myself, I remember I was in the garage and I was cleaning at our garage, and I was like, oh my god, like just all these like real successful people who are like nailing it in business, and you know those thoughts of like that'd be so cool, but I'm like a million years away from ever being. And and then I was like. And I'm on a, I'm now doing it. Yeah. And kind of that thing of there was a tipping point for me where I was I was self-belief of going, well, I'm like, well, yeah, I, I might you. be here into my business and but I've got I feel like I've got stuff to offer and I feel like I can help people and actually it's taking the ego out of it and just you know, like yeah. it was really cool this morning. I was like, shit yeah I'm, it's I'm, like how far yeah. you've come sort of yeah yeah 
but it's yes, all in, yeah, up, in the mind it's not actually a yeah 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 and sometimes it's yeah feel that feel, Tony Robbins feel the fear and do it anyway <laughs> yeah love it and you um like coming on the podcast you um talk to your parents too because you didn't want them to ever feel like you're talking because it's you know what we've been through in our lives does affect our whole family and you didn't want them to feel like um it was anything on them what you know yeah. your bulimia and things yeah we've talked about it because I only talked to them I only started I mean I'd shared funnily enough I shared with Scotty when we very very first got together I told yeah. him he was like the person that I don't even really know why I think because I, I think because I knew if I'm honest that if I told him it would be harder to to do it yeah it was almost like that was my safety net of mm-hmm. just being real and honest and vulnerable but he also must have been a special person right from the start for you to because you hadn't, yeah. hadn't told previous boyfriends yeah no definitely no yeah. he was definitely different. and he's been amazing he, you know it's not like we hash it out much but he's always there and he's always he's he just so so accepting of you know he's never made me feel like it anything other than a strength that I've sort of come through yeah anyway but I yes I hadn't told mum and dad that was probably only god two or three years ago so oh wow yeah I actually did a post about the other day because I was like that is my biggest regret is I'm not sure well I don't I know why I didn't tell them it was the shame and and you don't want them to feel like it's their fault yeah yeah it was a responsibility I think I've always been the one in the family who I'm the one that um like I'm the deep empath, so I'm always really conscious of the energy and how everyone's feeling. And I, you know, they they're very special, so I've never wanted them to feel anything that they did that was. And mm-hmm. I don't really think it was any. You know, Mum certainly wasn't one to be talking about diets and all that sort of yeah. stuff. I don't think they couldn't have done anything better than they did. It was no. just, but yeah, I wish I'd told them sooner. Mm. I wish I wish I'd understood that sharing, being vulnerable is so much more uh is, is the best release you can have when you're trying to heal from this stuff and I think we hold on to it because when long. you're in it you wouldn't want to share it because that's part of the control isn't it that nobody knows and you're controlling this thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I feel like we could talk for another hour like I've got more questions <laughs> <laughs> favorite active wear brand uh probably Lolo. champagne or cocktails or Mocktail. Uh, favorite podcast. So, what's one you'd recommend oh, apart from the Dedicate podcast? That's obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I listen to a lot of Dr. Rongan Chatterjee. You've told me about that, but I haven't looked it up. It's called Terrible Live. What is it? Feel Better, Live More. I think it's called. And write it down, he, everybody, because we won't remember. Yeah, it's, um, and if you just search Dr. Rongan Arine Jean Chatterjee, and he. He's brilliant. He's a GP in the UK and he he's like the it's like the number one health podcast in the UK. And he brings on lots of different specialists and heaps of different areas around health and well-being and fitness and you know breath work and yeah, awesome. I mean he's had Olympic athletes and I've learned so much um through his stuff. Yeah. So I'm I'm a massive podcast gal. I yeah, I put one in any time I go out running and walking and yeah, his are great. Awesome. I'm listening to this crazy one at the moment that my husband recommended. And it's, no, um, oh, yeah, no, that, I just, I like the like teacher's pet and ones like that, but I ended up listening to one that was too, oh, it's horrible. And you jump every time there's a shadow. Oh, no, it's next, it's left field. It's about 
UFOs and different fields, energy fields, and they're actually being like life out there, but it's like almost it's on a different magnitude. Yeah. It's nuts. I'll keep that to myself, maybe. Um (laughs) (laughs) number 10. What are you up to this weekend? What am I up to? I am my husband is still away. So we will be we've actually organized, it's really cool. On Saturday, a bunch of us, we were like, we should, you know, like you want to catch up with families and stuff, but it's actually massive. It's a massive thing, especially in winter when the kids can't get outside to all have someone at someone's house. So yeah. quite a few couples have hired a local, um, like the Lowburn Hall. Oh, good idea, yeah. Like $14 a family or something stupid. And we've got yeah. it from 3 to 8 p.m. And we're going to do potluck and just oh, all meet there. Oh, how nice. Yeah, so that'll be really nice. That'd but no, awesome. quite quiet for me when um, we're Scotty away. We might try and organize some play dates on Sunday or something. Yeah, nice. Pretty chill. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for your time. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for sharing everything today. Yeah, it's been awesome. And a great first podcast of our sort of next season. Yeah, it's really, it's yeah, thank you so much for giving me the, the space to, I think, anytime you, again, when you kind of are forced to go back and relook at things, it's going to be a wee catalyst for me to, um, I know stuff will come up from this, which is always, as I say, I'm one of those people that gets a wee bit excited by that. So yeah. thanks for giving me that opportunity. And yeah, I'm loving, loving working with you and, uh, you know, and the, your members and it's, it's a cool, cool new stage for me. So awesome. Yeah. Yay. Thanks so much, Sarah. Have an awesome weekend and yeah, we'll talk soon. Cool. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Sarah, and so openly for the first time. It will help so many and it's so motivating to see where you are now. To book a session with Sarah, see her Instagram handle and website address in the show notes. As you can tell, Sarah comes highly recommended by me. And don't miss our next eight-week fitness challenge that starts tomorrow. Dedicate with a mate. Do with a friend. Find a buddy in our support group or you can do it solo with our solo planner. It's lots of fun and super motivating. You earn points for workouts, set a goal and have a reward at the end. If you're not already a member, find out more and get your seven day free trial at kateivyfitness.com. See you on the next episode.